Section 40 of the Treatises of Benvenuto Cellini on Goldsmithing and Sculpture by Benvenuto Cellini, translated by C. R. Ashby. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Treatise on Sculpture, Chapter 3 Another Method of Casting Figures in Bronze of Life Size or a Little Under. Model the figure you wish to cast directly in the clay and rag composition above described. Finish your model most carefully as regards its proportions and its details of design, in fact, just as you wish to see it completed. When you have finished your figure, working it part in the fresh and part in the dry clay, as the art may require, and wishing to cast it in bronze, you give it a covering of painter's foil. Footnote. Stanuolo, i.e. tinfoil. End footnote. In order to do which, you first take a certain quantity of turps, heat it in a cauldron or pail, and when it is heated to boiling, streak it very carefully all over the figure with a hog's sable, taking heed not to injure a single muscle, vein, or other subtlety, and so very carefully apply your foil. This foil has to be beaten into very fine sheets, such as the painters use in many places, as for instance on their canvases for painting coats of arms it is well enough known all the world over well you put this foil over the clay figure and as you have to make a mould of gesso over that you oil the whole figure well first were it not for the foil it would be but ill protected against the humidity and cohesive footnote forza and footnote power of the gesso but with the foil it is well protected in this way you work to great advantage for after the figure is cast in bronze you still have your fine original model before you and many youths and able workmen can help you clean the bronze figure up while if you have no model to work to this cleaning up takes a long time is little to the poor master's liking and has but a sorry result this was what happened to me when I made the Perseus for the most illustrious Duke Cosimo, and which may still be seen on His Excellency's piazza. This, which was a figure of more than five cubits high, was made in the first of the two described methods. That is to say, it was modelled in the clay composition, and finished one finger's thickness under actual size. Footnote a finito magro in cerca undito and footnote then it was well baked and the coat of wax modelled over it as in the case of the nymph at fontainebleau after this it was cast all in one piece in order to remove the core footnote l'anima or internal block and footnote so that the figure might be lighter I made through the wax a number of holes in the flanks, shoulders and legs, and at such places where I required them. The result of this was that the core was kept in its place. Moreover, I put over the wax those unguents which I referred to in the case of the nymph of Fontainebleau, then the two or three coats of clay. Next I bound it round with the iron of which I shall tell directly, and then I cast it this casting was owing to its size 
the most difficult casting ever made but because i am now minded to tell of the casting of a smaller figure i will not muddle things too much by leaving my theme later on i shall not fail to enter upon a little dissertation about my perseus now i have to repeat then that the clay figure must have a kind of paste spread over it with a very soft paintbrush and little by little the foil is laid upon it this paste is made of flower dust and prepared in the way shoemakers do it or the mercers when they make berettas and satchels and such like and you must mind to make it very fine and thin and when you have put the foil in little pieces all over it and the whole figure is covered you can make your gesso mould there are diverse ways of making the gesso moulds the best however that i have come across and that i mostly use myself is to make as many small pieces as when put together would make a complete man and that without any undercutting as for instance feet hands head these small pieces must be made with great care and while the gesso is moist you fit into each of them an iron wire bent double and projecting out of the gesso much like a little ring so as to be capable of holding a thread through it each time that one of these small pieces is finished it must be tested and you must see if you get a good impression from it and if the piece relieves then if you see that the impression relieves without spoiling a single trifle of your work's delicacy you put the piece in its place again and with all a good master's ingenuity take the next piece off it leaving no rift whatever in between them such as would scar the work and so you go on little by little making the whole series of pieces observing the undercutting and whatever is demanded for the head hands feet etc in this manner you carefully make your division right down one half of the figure i mean the half taken lengthwise coming over the belly and the breasts down to the hips and from the bottom of them to the half of the heels footnote e da basso insino alla metà dei taloni and footnote mind however that with these small pieces the figure is not entirely covered but leave a part of the breasts a part of the body a large part of the thighs and as much of the legs you must take care too that the pieces be so placed that they may be fitted together as one but there must be no undercutting because over this half figure will have to be cast a coat footnote camicia and footnote of fine gesso more than two fingers thick before doing this however you must mind to cover up with a little clay the iron rings which i told you before were to be put on the small pieces so that in putting on the coat they do not hinder it from being lifted off after this you carefully paint over with a brush of olive oil all such parts as shall come in contact with this coat in order that when the gesso is set the coat may easily relieve when you have tried a piece to see if it will relieve put it back in its place and finish the other or back half of the figure in the same way as i bade you do the front you must be very careful when you've finished your mould to take some strong thick cord and bind the whole figure together from top to bottom 
putting a lot of little wedges of wood in order to tighten the rope yet more and prevent the gesso from twisting footnote torche and footnote and buckling in order not to run any risk of such twisting you keep it thus bound up till all the moisture has gone from the gesso when you see it quite dry you unwind the cord and open the mould and that is your first mould footnote che viene a essere quella prima camicia End footnote. this in small figures may be of two pieces only when i say small figures i mean life-size or less these may be made in two pieces if they be larger than that you must make them in four pieces i e one piece on each side from the top to the navel and another on each side from the navel to the bottom of the figure in order to fit better together these pieces must overlap the one upon the other a distance of about two fingers this all minutely accomplished you proceed to open the mould and lay it back downwards on the ground that is to say with the concave sides of it facing upwards and you take off one by one all the little pieces sticking to the figure and put them into the cavities made by them in the mould footnote or mother mould as the sculptors would call it End footnote. at the same time removing the little bits of clay which you put on the iron rings and in every place where the clay has left impressions bore a hole with a small gimlet footnote succhialino di tutti che pezzi che ti tenevano i sotto squadri and footnote into the mother mould and attach to each iron ring a piece of strong cord this cord you pass through the holes in the mother mould and tie each piece up in this manner with a little splint of wood when you have thus fitted all your little undercut pieces into the mother mould footnote da poi che tu arai vestito tutta la tua camicia and footnote you grease the whole mould with soft lard and proceed to give it what is technically termed the lasagna which is a cake about a good knife's back thick of wax or clay or paste this is made thus you take a piece of wood and with the chisels cut out in it a square cavity the shape of a man's palm and of the depth of a good knife's back more or less in accordance with the thickness your figure is to have then you keep squeezing your cake or lasagna into this wooden shape and apply it to the gesso mould of your figure so as to let one piece touch the other then you lay the two halves together on the ground side by side and construct an iron framework which serves as a skeleton for the figure and this must be made tortuously and in accordance with the direction of the legs arms torso and head of the figure this done you take clay beaten together with shavings of cloth the thin clay of which i told you before and little by little fit it round the skeleton letting it dry now by patient waiting now by holding it before the fire till the whole of your mould is filled then you test the two parts by repeatedly applying the one to the other when this framework of earth and iron which is called the kernel nocciolo 
fills the figure so completely as to tally all round with the lasagna you take it out bind it round with thin iron wire from head to foot and give it a good firing then you streak it over with a thin solution made of powdered bone and thin brick dust mixed with a little of the clay and cloth frames and apply it again to a rather slighter fire this time so that the solution shall also be fired then you take the lasagna out of your mould you must be very careful too to leave some pieces of the iron skeleton sticking out in at least four places for they will keep the kernel from shifting and these projections must tally with the gesso mould when the lasagna is removed you once more grease the gesso mould with fat a little soft bacon fat is best and it is also well to have it warm for then it combines better with the gesso then you make the inlet holes in which you want to pour your wax and fit the kernel into the mould then stand the figure up straight and make at least four vent holes two at the feet and two at the hands the more you make the surer you will be to fill your figure with wax the vent holes you make thus the first two you place right at the very bottom of the feet and it will be better for you to set your figure on a little eminence in order to do this more easily you must take a stout gimlet footnote succioletto and footnote and carefully bore a hole with it and this is best done if slanting downwards and see that you leave no fragments in the mould as you do it when you have made these holes you take a number of canes which you skilfully bend and so fit together that they start from the holes below and turn up straight alongside the figure binding one cane to another and all together into one up towards the top of the figure you must be careful too wherever the bits of cane join and wherever they fit into the holes to smear them well round with a little moist clay so as to prevent the wax from oozing out after this you can heat your wax and when it is molten pour it in this process now can be easily effected however difficult the pose of the figure may be if you observe the various little hints i have given you and above all give heed to the vent holes at the base after you have filled it with wax let it thoroughly cool for a whole day if it be summer say two days then undo the bindings with great care and loosen all the little bits of string that tie the pieces together within and are made for the undercuttings as i so carefully explained to you before when you have uncovered the one half you may complacently begin to try it from either front or back and i tell you this the fact of your having let the wax stand for that day or two according to the season of the year will cause a slight shrinkage in the wax of about the space of a horse's hair and so you will find it quite easy to remove this first piece from your figure then lay it down and proceed to do the like to the next piece and you will do well to lay both on long narrow benches so that you can get underneath them with your hands after this you remove from the figure all the pieces of the mould attached with the bits of string through the iron rings one by one ever so carefully and you polish and remove very nicely all the rough edges that may have been left on the figure by reason of the joinings of all the different pieces and in this manner you touch up the whole in doing this moreover 
if you are minded to add any subtle labour or fancy to your work you are easily able to do it after this footnote edipoi che tu ti sei resoluto and footnote you fashion in wax just as you erst made them for the earthen mould footnote tonaka and footnote all the vent holes for the bronze casting and mind that they all slant downwards to the bottom later when the figure has its last and earthen mould on these vents may easily be turned up with clay the method of doing this i shall describe minutely later as soon as i have shown how all the different coatings footnote loti and footnote from first to last are applied the mould bound up and the wax emptied out here all i want to insist on is that the vents must be made to bend towards the bottom because when that is the case the wax is more easily melted out if they were otherwise you would have to turn the mould up and down which would give trouble and you would run risk of spoiling it but if you do as i tell you are absolutely safe then note this too it is of the utmost importance that in melting out the wax your fire be so tempered that the wax does not boil in the mould but comes out with the greatest patience when the wax is all out give the mould yet another but very moderate firing in order to get rid of any moisture that may be left in the mould then you may give it a regular good firing first casing the mould in a coat of bricks set one above the other and at about a three fingers distance from the mould this firing should be of soft wood such as elder lime beech or twigs any green wood or the wood of the oak is to be avoided and use no charcoal whatever because all these fuse the clay and make it become like glass there are some earths that do not thus cohere and such are used in glass and bronze furnaces i shall not fail in the proper place to tell you of these but at present let me continue my narration of how to prepare our mould for the casting of the bronze dig a pit near your furnace in front of the plug at the outlet hole footnote dinanzi alla spina and footnote which pit should be so big as not only to contain your figure but also be half a cubit deeper and in order that you can give the proper fall the mouth or inlet hole footnote bocca and footnote must be at least a quarter of a cubit above the head of your figure so also as in the case of its depth the pit should be half a cubit larger in width than would be needed to hold the mould then take the mould out of the bricks in which you baked it and when it is cool bind it very carefully with a rope which should be strong enough to carry it then fasten a pulley to a beam in the roof and the rope through the pulley and see that you provide a windlass sufficiently strong to lift your figure as i don't want to omit certain little details which may be well learned from experience i may mention that when i made my perseus for that the work was so very large i lowered it into the pit with two windlasses which were weighted with more than two thousand pounds but a small figure of three cubits would not need more than one tis true you might do without any windlass at all for the latter but that would be very risky because it might tend to move the kernel of the mould 
that is the core footnote anima and footnote or inner block or again it might knock the shell footnote spolia and footnote outside it the windlass obviates this danger and so you very very gently hoist the figure up and move it to the mouth of the pit and with equal care you unwind the windlass and lower it to the bottom when the figure is standing in position with the inlet hole footnote bocca and footnote in a line with the plugs footnote spine and footnote at the outlet hole footnote dinanzi alla spina and footnote the first thing you have to do is to fit onto the vent holes certain tubes of baked clay such as are used for water pipes of these there are plenty to be got in florence so that i was provided and i used some of them bent and those for the bottom pieces and in all such instances where the vents were turned downwards and fitting one tube on to another i brought them into one straight line upwards this done you take the earth you cut out of the trench and sift it well then mix it with sand which however ought not to be too soft with this mixture you fill up the pit the mixture of sand and earth it may be observed need only surround the figure to the extent of a quarter of a cubit for the rest the plain unsifted earth as you dug it out of the trench will suffice to fill up the remainder of the cavity when the earth has been piled up to the extent of about one-third of a cubit you go into the pit with two rammers footnote matsapiki and footnote which are a kind of wooden instrument three cubits long and about a quarter of a cubit broad at the bottom and with these you pound the earth and weld it well together in doing this you must take great care in no way to knock at the mould it will be quite sufficient if you come within four fingers of it and instead of the rammers press it with your feet still take great care not to shake the mould this ramming in you will repeat every time you have shovelled another third of a cubit of earth into the pit every time too that the earth fills up to the level of the top of the vents take another of the terracotta pipes and add it on binding the juncture well round with a little clean toe in order to prevent the earth getting into the vents for that would stop the passage of air and so hinder your figure from coming in this way taking heed of the vents as you fill in the earth you pass from base to legs from legs to flanks from flanks to arms till at last you get earth and vents on a level with the top of your pit then you proceed to make the passage footnote via and footnote down which the bronze is to flow also you must take care that as soon as you begin putting your figure into the trench you begin at the same time to fill your furnace with the bronze and heat it so that your mould should not get damp from too long standing all these things if they be not observed oft-times prevent the mould from filling when the pit is filled up to the mouth of the main entrance footnote bocca principale and footnote where the bronze is to be poured in and also having allowed for the necessary fall from the mouth of the plug footnote bocca della spina i.e the egress channel and footnote whence the bronze is to issue from the furnace 
and having carried up all the vents as described you keep both them and the mouth of the main entrance carefully plugged with a little tow then you take a lot of square tiles and make a pavement of them round the vents as there will be more than one entrance channel for your bronze you must take note that the flooring in question comes right up to the ingress holes of the bronze then you take bits of hard dry bricks broken up into pieces of three fingers or more in thickness according to your cunning master's discretion and according to the fall your bronze may need and then these bricks you plaster together with liquid clay and cloth shavings in lieu of mortar on the top of your flooring note further that of these same bricks you construct a channel from the wall of your furnace and running right round the ingress holes of your figure then you take bricks baked or unbaked the latter are better though there's not much difference footnote con tutto ci sia poco differenza and footnote and wall up the channel to the requisite height the thickness of a brick wall will suffice you construct it by laying brick upon brick and making the height of the wall equal the width of the channel footnote accomodandoli intorno al tuo canale tanto quanto viene alto and footnote when you have carefully joined together with your moist clay instead of mortar all the cracks through which the bronze might ooze out you remove the tow plugs in the ingress holes of the bronze and in their stead fit some easily removable stops of moist clay made so that you can take them out without difficulty for you have almost immediately to bring glowing coals into your channel and with these you cover all the parts that have been walled up with clay till they are well dried and the fire must be renewed several times till they are not only well dried but baked when all this is accomplished and your metal meanwhile has got well fused carefully blow with the bellows all the ash and cinders out of the channel till none remains to hinder the passage of the metal then take out all the plugs that close the vent holes and the earthen stoppers in the ingress holes and throw some two or three tallow candles under one pound in weight into the channel hereupon run to the mouth of your furnace and refresh it with a certain quantity of pewter or rather more than the ordinary alloy i e half a pound per cent i e of bronze footnote e rinfrescala con una certa quantità di stagno di piu della lega ordinaria la quale vuole essere cerca una mezza libra per cento di piu della lega che vi arai messa professor roberts austin is of opinion that this implies an additional half pound of pewter for every hundred pounds of bronze you have in the furnace if it is not so should the word pewter be translated tin that is the lead tin alloy should contain half pound more tin than is usual in every one hundred pounds and footnote more than what you have hitherto used when this has been very rapidly done heap up more and more fire of green wood in your furnace and then with your iron crook mandriano for thus the instrument is called boldly strike away the plug of the furnace and let the bronze run 
gently at first holding a point of the iron crook in the mouth of the plug till a certain quantity of the metal has run forth and its first fury be spent for if you did not do this you might run the risk of your mould being stopped up with wind then you can remove the iron crook from the mouth of the plug and let all the bronze go till the furnace be emptied to this end it is necessary to have a man standing at each of the furnace mouths who with the scraping iron footnote e rastiatoi brinkman has kratzeisen and footnote which is used in the craft drives the bronze towards the outlet until all is cleared out such of the flowing metal as is still left after your mould is filled you damn by means of throwing on to it with a shovel some of the earth you erstwhile dug out of the trench that is how you complete your mould not to be omitted are diverse and terrible mishaps that occur from time to time and often bring to naught all the poor master's pains so tis a wise thing to profit in good time by the experience of others oft times we figure casters call in the help of ordnance founders footnote maestri d'artillieri see above and footnote to aid us but the most terrible misfortunes not infrequently occur owing to their insufficient experience and want of care and all our labour is lost just such a thing very nearly happened to me when i was casting my perseus for calling to aid some of those fellows i found them so absolutely devoid of sense that in their stupidity they all swore my mould was spoilt and that there was no means of writing it and all this thanks to the muddle they themselves had made with my metal footnote see the account of this in the vita page four hundred and twenty and onwards and footnote the statue was more than five cubits high and its pose was a difficult one for in its left hand it held raised aloft the head of medusa in the hair of which was much rich detail of serpents while the right hand was held behind in a vigorous action and the left leg was bent all this variety of limbs made the casting most difficult and for this reason i was ever so keen to get it good and also because it would be the first big work i had produced in italy my fatherland and the veritable school of all the arts so i was moved to even greater pains and diligence than i had before used to complete my figure well so therefore i set to making a great number of air vents and ever so many flowing in mouths that all diverged from the main one the which ran down at the back of the figure from the height of the head down to both heels and spreading out a bit at the calves all these little hints are part of the craft and in this manner did i practise it when i wrought in france as i had to do almost everything with my own hand owing to the intense bodily fatigue to which i was subjected a violent fever seized upon me i struggled against it for many hours but in the end it floored me and i was brought to bed as i had those different masters of ordnance and statuary founders working for me i explained to them before i laid me down exactly the methods i had begun and how these were now perfectly easy to understand as more than half the figure was already covered and the greater part of the difficulties surmounted 
all that they had to do was to follow my instructions in detail and that appeared easy enough so being utterly incapable of holding out any longer i flung myself on my couch meantime the men worked at my furnace which i had so well prepared and in which the bronze was nearly molten footnote condotto il mio bronzo in bagno and footnote and ready for completing now they had a good six hours work still to employ them in order to fulfil all my instructions in proper sequence because they were not quite skilled in the technique of the craft and because my methods were different from those they usually employed well instead of doing what they were told they began larking about neglected the furnace so that the metal commenced to curdle or as it is called in the craft to cake miliaccio they call it in their lingo nary a one knew a remedy for this blunder for in a round furnace like this one the action of the fire upon the metal is from above were it from below it would be easy enough to heat the curdled metal again so not one of them knew a remedy then as i lay there prostrate on my bed with fever one of them in whom i had a little more confidence than the rest came to me and speaking very gently said benvenuto resign yourself to the worst the furnace has been ill prepared footnote stata a disagio e se fatto un meliaccio and footnote a cake has formed on the metal then i turned myself toward him and had all the other craftsmen summoned in whom i put any confidence and asked them if they knew any remedy whereupon these precious fine fellows said there was no other remedy but to break up the furnace and in so doing as the mould was buried six cubits in the ground they could not see they said how the mould could help being spoiled for even if i tried to dig up the ground round it which had been plugged fast there were so many ingress holes and vents that it was dead certain to be spoiled that forsooth was the only remedy they had now gentle reader picture to yourself my state i in all my ills and sickness this new trouble thrust upon me all my honour at stake why i felt the keenest grief that ever man could imagine but this was no time to give way to grief suddenly as in a frenzy my old inborn daring came upon me it's not a thing one can learn this it's in a man's nature furiously i leapt from my bed and literally frightened away that grievous fever with the biting words i shouted at those fellows oh you good-for-nothings who not only know naught but have brought to naught all my splendid labours at least keep your heads on your shoulders now and obey me for from my knowledge of the craft i can bring to life what you have given up for dead if only the sickness that is upon me shall not crush out my body's vigour thus hounding them on i ran with them into the workshop and in one go ordered six of them to different duties first i bade one of them fetch me a load of dry oak that was stacked opposite the house of capretta the butcher and as soon as this came i began throwing it into the furnace several pieces at a time now though i've said it once before as it's so very important i'm going to tell it you again and it's this 
in bronze furnaces the only woods you use are elder willow and pine for all these are soft woods in this particular instance however i used oak because i wanted the greatest possible heat and thus the metal began to move at once to two others i bade with long iron rods to keep poking into the furnace mouths because it was storming with wind and raining cats and dogs and wind and rain was blowing into my furnace by these means i showed them how to stave off wind and rain two others i set to work to quench the fire because a part of the workshop had caught a light and several great wooden windows were blazing like the devil so that i was in terror lest the whole roof should be aflame so tremendous was the fire with the others and there were plenty of them i set to work clearing the channels through which the metal was to run and to opening all the vent holes scarce was this done when all on a sudden just as the work was being completed owing to the terrific heat of the burning oak the whole cap of the furnace was blown up into the air and the metal began to well over on all sides they stood in utter astonishment all of them for they had obeyed me fearsomely to see the caked metal thus again liquefied the strength of the fire however had consumed all the tin alloy so i ordered to be thrown in a thick pig of fine pewter when i saw this was of no avail and that by god's grace the metal was already beginning to flow and to spread itself on the sides of the furnace i ordered two others to run into my house and fetch hither all my pewter plates and dishes two hundred pounds weight in all and threw them in bit by bit then i made another take iron crooks and strike out first one and then the second of the plugs which were very hard then as the metal began to flow through the channels i little by little threw the thin pewter plates into it which owing to the immense heat combined with the other pewter so that my mould was soon filled seeing all this mass of metal run in so well without any bubbling or even a single hitch i concluded that all my vents were doing their work the amount of metal left over just corresponded exactly to the extra quantity thrown in so that my mould was completely filled when this was accomplished i gave thanks to god and turning to the lot of them said do you see how everything has its remedy spite of the pain such was my delight that i felt no more fatigue the fever just went to the devil and i sat down to eat and drink with a light heart together with all the lot of them and every one marvelled thereat once too in france when serving king francis and being anxious to cast a lunette of over six cubits in diameter and containing numbers of figures and animals and other things much the same occurred owing to a like blundering of my assistants for although the founders in those parts especially in and around lutetia where they turn out more of it than in any other place under the sun are safer in their technique than any others still as they are deficient in the fundamental principles of the art they lose their heads and give all up in despair when anything exceptional occurs i anticipated a similar incident to that which i have just described with my perseus on another eventful occasion for though the incidents were very different 
there happened to be one thing that differed from customary methods footnote una cosa la quale usciva di quella ordinaria praticaccia and footnote my people were all in despair and even i myself was much troubled at seeing them so but with my wonted pluck and owing to my thorough knowledge of the art i was here again able to bring a dead horse to life footnote un morto our workshop slang of the dead horse would seem to meet cellini's meaning here and footnote when those ancient masters of the art who were present on that occasion saw this they blessed the day and the hour that they made my acquaintance though i who was their pupil knew well that it really depended upon what i had learned from them they worked according to tradition footnote una continova pratica and footnote this tradition i mastered and i will gladly describe the rule on which it was based and how this rule stood me instead but let us return somewhat in order to continue the course of our narration for though we have digressed a bit we have not diverged from the method of our subject and can easily return to it we have shown how the mould is made and the casting done and we have evidenced this with a statue about three cubits in size there yet remains another method in itself much easier but not so safe as the above-mentioned one the point of this is that instead of making the core footnote, nocciolo and footnote of your figure in clay you make it of gesso mixed with burnt bone and pounded brick provided the gesso be of good quality this method is more easy to practise because instead of applying one coat after another as you do in the clay method you can make the gesso liquid that is to say having combined the ingredients just stated one portion of gesso and an equal portion of bone and brick you make a sort of paste of it which you pour into the mould over the solution lasagna and which soon sets after this having taken off the mould footnote di poi sciolto il suo cavo and footnote you bind the core well round with iron wire and cover this very carefully with a similar coat of paste only rather more liquid this done the core is well baked in the same way as the earthen one was in the previous method and the wax poured over it into the mould just as described above when the mould is removed the wax is cleaned round and the air vents arranged also just as before described then you case the hole over with a shell of gesso also as before when this shell is completed to the thickness of about two and a half fingers you bind it all round with the same bands of iron two fingers wide and then once again cover it all over with another coat of gesso after this the figure is placed in a furnace made entirely of bricks and so arranged that when the fire is lighted the wax can be melted out into a receptacle set in a hole in the ground beneath the furnace the wax flowing through the air vents and these vents arranged in the manner above stated when the wax is out you make up a good fire of wood and charcoal till the outer mould footnote tonaka and footnote of your figure is well baked 
but you may take note that the gesso does not need near so strong a fire as the clay true it is that the gesso in our part of tuscany does not lend itself so well to works of this nature as that of mantua milan and france several very able youths who have worked for his excellency the duke of florence have been taken in not once but two or three times owing to the delusion that ours was the best way of making gesso the most excellent duke who was ever a lover of thoroughness very thoughtfully had patience with them but our young men unacquainted with the difference between the one gesso and the other stuck to their own method and remained unenlightened from this you may take note that when a master wants to do a work he should make trial not only of his clays and his gessos but of all the things he proposes to use in this way alone will he get credit by his work and in no other way in this connection i may make mention of the sorts of lime i have seen in rome in france and in other parts of the world the lime that keeps longest in the slacked state is the best and makes the firmest composition but our florentine lime ought to be used immediately after slacking if this is done it makes the best lime and the firmest composition in the world but it loses its virtue if left standing with the foreign lime however the reverse obtains end of section forty